All right, so today's scripture reading is from Lamentations 1. Um, So if you would like to follow along in our red Bibles in the pews, that's page 686, and it is Lamentations chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns. My heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street, the sword bereaves. In the house, it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions, for my groans are many and my heart is faint. This is the word of the Lord. Returning our hearts to God. Returning our hearts to God. That's what we are seeking to do with this Lent season. Um, Lent is about facing our own sin, facing our own brokenness, facing our failings, uh, facing the darkness. This morning we look at the practice of lament. Um, Soong Chan Ra has a, what I think is a good description of lament in one of his books. He says, lament in the Bible is a liturgical response to the reality of suffering and engages God in the context of pain and trouble. The hope of lament is that God would respond to human suffering that is wholeheartedly communicated through lament. This idea of lament is throughout our scriptures. It's throughout the Psalms. But it's something sometimes we would rather avoid. Is anyone with me on that? It'd be, I would like to give a rousing sermon of inspiration and just hope and joy and overcoming, but our Bibles include this practice and this idea, this reality of, of lament, of stopping and of facing what is broken, facing what is wrong and crying out to God with it, of not running away from it, but of sitting with it for a minute. Um, Lament is throughout the scriptures, um, but there's a lot of interesting research. Uh, Lament is about 40% of the Psalms. So just almost half of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, not fun Psalms. But in the great Christian songbooks, very few of them uh, either reference those Psalms or are songs of lament. Um, and in fact, there was a, a recent study of what Christian songs are licensed to sing, like what songs get sung in churches, and it said about five out of a hundred are songs of lament, compared to 40% of the psalms in our Bible being psalms of lament. So somewhere in there, as a, as a Western Christian culture, we don't really want to dwell on that lament for f- too long. And I get it. Like, I love the sun, right? I love, I want to be happy and have the sun and be positive. But this morning, we stop for a minute and we reflect and think about practicing um, lament. So before we get into Lamentations chapter 1, 
Um, I want to go back to the same event um, in 586 BC and the destruction of Jerusalem. So if you were somewhat awake during our Daniel series, you might remember, I got a couple laughs from that, you might remember that that moment in time had a big influence on the book of Daniel. Um, In 586 BC, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian army came up against Jerusalem. And what was left of Israel, which was now just the southern kingdom, or called Judah. And Nebuchadnezzar's army came to Jerusalem and had a long, long standoff that became torturous for the residents of Judah or Jerusalem inside. And over a long period of time, there was starvation, uh, water ran out, food ran out, and there was a deep time of suffering. And finally, total destruction as the Babylonian army came through and destroyed this precious city of Jerusalem. And for their people, um, we can't underestimate how important and sacred holy Jerusalem was to them, to their worship, to their history, to their culture. And they saw Jerusalem uh, destroyed um, right in front of them. So that's the part of the story where some of the best of the best, like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, end up being taken in captivity to Babylon. But some others were left there. Imagine living in the ruins of your once great city. Living among the rubble, now the Babylonian army in charge, and trying to make sense of what just happened to your life, to your culture. That's the setting of Lamentations chapter 1. But I want to go back even further in the story. Because way before that part of our Old Testament story, God made a covenant with the Israelite people. God made a covenant with the people, and they had an agreement. God said, I will be your God. I will take care of you. I will give you a place to live, a promised land, and you will commit to following my ways, to obeying my commands, and to worshiping the one true God. There's a covenant agreement in this Old Testament. And now we can flip back to the pages and read page after page, which sometimes seems strange to us in these old codes and laws, but it was a covenant agreement between God's people and God to each other. But Israel and then Judah, they just kept breaking the covenant over and over, breaking the covenant over and over again, disobeying. And God would send a prophet to warn them. And the prophets would warn them. And then maybe for a time they would worship God and obey God's ways. And then they would go back and God would send another prophet time and time again. One of the prophets most prominent was Jeremiah. He has his own book in our Bible. Um, Jeremiah, time and time again, went to warn the people um, just before the time of Nebuchadnezzar and the destruction in 586. So I want to read Jeremiah chapter 22, um, the first few verses of Jeremiah 22. It'll be on the screen, or you can look it up in your Bibles, to get a glimpse into this process and Jeremiah's warnings right before this destruction, okay? Thus says the Lord, Go down to the house of the king of Judah and speak there this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, Do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed. And do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you will indeed obey this word, 
Then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. But if you do not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, you are like Gilead to me, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet surely I will make you a desert and uninhabited city. I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars and cast them into the fire. And here's this part, this comes out in Lamentations 1. And many nations will pass by this city, and every man will say to his neighbor, why has the Lord dealt thus with such a great city? And they will answer, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshiped other gods and served them. So this story just keeps going, warning after warning after warning, and then some of the same things keep happening. Jeremiah kept warning people, and they got sick of him. They, they mocked him, they made fun of him, they tried to banish him, they tried to silence him, they even threw him in a pit. They were scared to kill him, so they threw him in a cistern or a pit just to keep him away from them. They were sick of his warnings over and over and over. There's a couple themes in Jeremiah 22 that I want to look at for a few moments. And Jeremiah is a long book. There are many warnings. So this is just a little snapshot into Jeremiah's warnings. Okay? But there's a couple themes that come up again and again in his warnings right before their destruction. One of them is do justice and righteousness. Stop letting oppression happen in your midst. Protect the fatherless. Protect the widow. Protect the foreigner from, from another land who has come into your midst. Protect them. Let there be no more shedding of innocent blood. So there's this way of life that is protecting, providing safety, not letting oppression be the way that your society operates. Do justice in the land. Defend the fatherless. Defend the foreigner and the alien. And it comes out, this is the way that I want you to live. This is God's way. And connected to that, later in the chapter I read, is this idea of worship God and God alone. Don't worship all the other neighboring gods. Don't worship the idols, but worship the one true God. And we can disconnect those two ideas, but the way it reads in the Old Testament covenant is is an interrelated idea of this is worship. To worship the one true God and to follow God's ways and how you treat people in your midst. And they just couldn't quite do it. They couldn't quite get there. So I want to read back to Lamentations chapter 1. If you want to look it up, it'll be on the screen. Um, And as we get there, you might note, it's a little long, okay? So you might elbow your neighbor and say, don't fall asleep while we read this rough chapter here, okay? Hang in there. Um, But the first half of Lamentations 1 is as if somebody is looking at the city. It's like there's an onlooker observing. The second half of chapter one of Lamentations, as if the city herself is speaking in a very personal way. So the city personified is speaking about what has happened and crying out to God saying, look, Lord. So Lamentations chapter one. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become, she who was great among the nations, she who was a princess among the provinces has become a slave. She weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has none to comfort her. 
All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile because of affliction and hard servitude. She dwells now among the nations but finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. The roads to Zion mourn, for none come to the festival. All her gates are desolate. Her priests groan. Her virgins have been afflicted, and she herself suffers bitterly. Her foes have become the head. Her enemies prosper, because the Lord has afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From the daughter of Zion, all her majesty has departed. Her princes have become like deer that find no pasture. They fled without strength before the pursuer. Jerusalem remembers in the days of her affliction and wandering all the precious things that were hers from days of old. When her people fell into the hand of the foe and there was none to help her, her foes gloated over her. They mocked at her downfall. Jerusalem sinned grievously, therefore she became filthy. All who honored her despise her, for they have seen her nakedness. She herself groans and turns her face away. Her uncleanness was in her skirts. She took no thought of her future. Therefore, her fall is terrible. She has no comforter. O Lord, behold my affliction, for the enemy has triumphed. The enemy has outstretched out his hands over all her precious things. For she has seen the nations enter her sanctuary, those whom you forbade to enter your congregation. All her people groan as they search for bread. They trade their treasures for food to revive their strength. This phrase comes up a lot. Look, O Lord, and see, for I am despised. Is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Look and see if there is any sorrow like my sorrow, which was brought upon me, which the Lord inflicted on the day of his fierce anger. From on high he sent fire into my bones, he made it descend. He spread a net for my feet, he turned me back. He has left me stunned, faint all the day long. My transgressions were bound into a yoke. By his hand they were fastened together. They were set upon my neck. He caused my strength to fail. The Lord gave me into the hands of those whom I cannot withstand. The Lord rejected all my mighty men in my midst. He summoned an assembly against me to crush my young men. The Lord has trodden as in a wine press the virgin daughter of Judah. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Zion stretches out her hands, but there is none to comfort her. The Lord has commanded against Jacob that his neighbors should be his foes. Jerusalem has become a filthy thing among them. The Lord is in the right, for I have rebelled against his word. But hear all you peoples and see my suffering. My young women and my young men have gone into captivity. I called to my lovers, but they deceived me. My priests and elders perished in the city while they sought food to revive their strength. Look, O Lord, for I am in distress. My stomach churns, my heart is wrung within me because I have been very rebellious. In the street the sword bereaves, in the house it is like death. They heard my groaning, yet there is no one to comfort me. All my enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that you have done it. You have brought the day you announced. Now let them be as I am. Let all their evil doing come before you and deal with them as you have dealt with me because of all my transgressions. For my groans are many and my heart is faint. Okay, we made it through. So even in looking over my notes this morning, a part of me wanted to not read the whole chapter. Right? I'm imagining sitting up here reading, right? Poetic verse after poetic verse of sorrow and lament, and a part of me just 
was like, can I just read like four verses? Like that would be easier for me and for you if we would have read four verses, right? Just short, okay, lament. But this is the word of the Lord, amen? This is the word of the Lord. This picture of suffering, this picture of brokenness, this picture of sin, and this picture of consequences. And this is just one chapter of Lamentations, crying out to God. I'm going to look at a couple themes in here. Three themes. One of them, there's an admission of sin and fault in Lamentations that's woven in in poetic ways. This admission, we know we messed up. We know we sinned. We didn't follow you. We know we really did it. And there's also this crying out, this theme that comes out over and over in all of Lamentations, that there's no one to comfort me. This theme of, can somebody look at what we're going through? There's nobody here to comfort me. Nobody, does anybody see what's happening to me right now? I don't know if you've ever felt like that, going through a suffering, but like, does anybody see this? Does anybody care? Does anybody see the suffering that I'm going through right now? I want someone to see it to be there with me. But the crying lamentation is there's nobody there. Other cities walk by and just laugh at us. And then there's this phrase that comes out, look, Lord, and see, I am in distress. So there's this crying out to God, okay, I know I deserve this. We messed up, but, but God, do you see how bad it is? Like, God, do you... Can you look, like, are you really looking and seeing what has happened to children, to infants, to families, to our homes, to the temple? God, do you, do you see it, God? Do you, do, you, do you see it? But this idea of lament is not skipping over to working past it. It's not skipping over to rebuilding. It's not skipping over to, okay, let's get to the next part quickly. Lament is stopping and saying, let's face what has happened and let us cry out to God with what has happened. Now, teaching this I find tricky because in this text, the theme is it, Judah did wrong. They, they let oppression happen. They didn't worship God and this destruction came upon them. And that is a, it is a reality of lament even today. We let horrible things happen and there are consequences to that in a corporate way. But there's also, as I teach about lament, undoubtedly so many of you in the room have reasons to lament, have suffering in your own personal lives. I can think of people at Regeneration going through sickness, you know, facing death, facing things that we can't see what they did. There's no correlation, it just happened. And they need to lament too, or you also need to lament in that time of suffering, to cry out to God and to say, look, Lord, here I am. I'm trying to believe that you're there, but can you look and see what I'm going through? To cry out with lament. Um, in Lamentations, what's hard about lament is that it's communal. It's as a group, as a society, they face what happened. And our culture to a certain extent, is much more individualistic. I don't think I'm exaggerating. Our culture sees things as a little more as me, like what I did. But often in the Old Testament narrative, it's more what we did. How did we let this happen in our midst? How did we 
worship as a group. It's a much more communal narrative in the Old Testament scriptures, which can be hard for us. This week, I, I want to challenge you as we continue um, our fasting from food and our fasting from something personal that we want to abstain from for Lent to take time to not just reflect on lament, but to lament. To take time this week. Maybe use, we actually have more Lenten journals in the back if you didn't get one in the beginning of our Lent journey. But take time this week as you pray, as you skip a meal, to say, what are the things that I need to lament for myself, for my family, that I just need to say and stop and say, God, do you see this? I cry out to you, God. I groan out to you, God. Before I go fix it, before I change it, I want to sit here and cry out to God about this. And what are the things as a church community, as a society, that we need to lament? The things that should not be. The things that exist in our midst that are not right, that are not just, that are not okay, but that we allow to be in our midst. What are those things that we need to lament about and say, why is this in our society. I want to lament and cry out and say, this should not be. This is wrong. This is not what God wants for my city. This is what, not what God wants for my neighborhood, for my church. Um, in, a, in a few moments, I'm going to ask us to, to pray a prayer of lament together. Um, and as we say that, we're going to use the word we as a, as a corporate way of praying. We. And I'm going to ask you as we pray a prayer together, um, to enter into something that's uncomfortable. Lent is about entering the uncomfortable. Later, we'll have the Easter celebration, okay? And we'll have food, but right now it's about entering into this uncomfortable space with God. So I'm gonna ask us to actually pray a prayer together. Um, and I've written some lines of a prayer of lament, and at the end of every line, together, I'm asking us to pray, Lord, together we groan. And then to actually groan. To actually groan in some way, however you want to groan. Now, I've done this with multiple groups and at churches a couple of times, and people often get a little worried look, like, what in the world? It feels a little awkward. feels a little strange. But I'm asking us to actually go into practicing lament. And actually, the word groan is a word that comes out in Lamentations over and over again. To actually groan to God in a real physical spiritual sense to groan to God. So I'm going to read some lines of a prayer. We're going to say, Lord, together we groan. Ugh. However you want to groan. That was kind of a weak groan, okay? However you want to groan. So I'm, ask, I'm, I'm going to ask you to be a little more uncomfortable. I'm actually for this prayer, and it'll be on the screen, or you can just listen and then say, Lord, together we groan. I'm actually going to ask you if you'd be so bold to actually come out of your seats and to kneel. There is this physical idea of prayer in the scriptures of kneeling before God. It's throughout the Psalms, the scriptures of kneeling before God to pray. So I'm going to ask you in just a second, if you'd be so bold as to actually come forward somewhere here to kneel, to kneel in an aisle, um, and to pray this with us. Um, if you're new, we don't do this every week. This is a rare thing. Just to not scare you off, this isn't a normal thing. But we want to honor this text and practice lament together, to jump in together. Okay, um, if you are not able to kneel, if you need to stay in your pew, you are, you are not judged, that is okay, for whatever reason, okay? Um, but if you would like to, um, right now I'd like to ask you, if you're so bold, would you come and kneel, either up here, come and kneel on the side, if, if you're able, if you're not able, it's okay, but if you're able to just kneel 
somewhere um, as a physical way of prayer. I'm going to give you a minute to find a space to kneel. And we will pray a prayer. So I'll read off, and then if you would join with me and say, Lord, together we groan. God, we have all too often worshipped pleasure and wealth. Lord, together we groan. Ah. We have become distracted and lost sight of worshipping you. Lord, together we groan. Ah. We have allowed unholy habits and activities to become normal to us. Lord, together we groan. Ah. We have neglected the immigrant, the refugee, and the sojourner. Lord, together we groan. Ah. We have allowed oppression of so many kinds to exist in our midst. Lord, together we groan. Ah. We live in a society in which far too many people are forced to live outside. Lord, together we groan. Ah. We mourn the loss of life in so many shootings and massacres. Lord, together we groan. Ah. We face sickness and disease in our dearest loved ones. Lord, together we groan. Ah. We have let hatred and division take root instead of peacemaking and love. Lord, together we groan. Ah. Look at us. See us. We cry out to you. Lord, together we groan. Ah. Lord, thank you for the sacredness of this moment being able to say, look, God, see us um, as a church community. God, we groan, we cry out to you alone. God, help us this week to have the courage to lament, to reflect, to process on what is wrong, what is broken around us and inside us in our personal lives, in our society. God, give us the courage to lament. We cry out to you. Amen. Amen. Would you return to your seats? As we prepare to enter another time of reflection and worship. I want to encourage us to take this time to reflect on our lives, to reflect on our society, um, to pray, to seek, to return to God. We have the communion elements up front and also in the back as we honor the body of Jesus broken for us and the blood of Jesus shed for us. Um, John is here who would be uh, honored to pray for you this morning.
Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, hear our song. Amen.